welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. I'm delighted to host this podcast and share key trends and innovations for each of the 25 industries we serve. At SAP, we like to say that we speak the language of our customers, and this language is industry. We've been supporting all industries for more than 50 years now, and it's exciting to launch this podcast and discuss with industry experts the business value that they get from our solutions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. My name is Tom Raftery, and with me on the show today, I have my two special guests, Alicia and Kevin. Alicia and Kevin, would you like to introduce yourselves with maybe Alicia going first? Hello, everybody. This is Alicia Gutierrez. I work in SAP for the global IBU in travel and transport, and normally I take care of railways globally. So um, nice to be here. Nice to have you. And Kevin? Yes, thanks, Tom and Alicia. This is Kevin, Kevin Chalk. I head up the group that Alicia just mentioned, head of travel and transportation industries for SAP, and very happy to be with you today. Fantastic. As as part of the uh, background to this podcast, it turns out that this year is the year of rail. I was unaware until we started the setup for this call, so that's great to hear. What is that all about, Alicia? Well, there's a lot of people that are not aware that 2021 has been appointed in the European um, space as the year of rail. And what this means is that um, everybody should be focusing on making rail one of the best uh, transport means for both passengers and cargo. And that's what our politicians are, are set on doing, uh, making it more efficient, making it more uh, easy to use uh, and, and making it more attractive to citizens and customers all over the place through different uh, initiatives. And SAP is aligned with these initiatives and we've been doing that for the whole year. Okay, superlative. And what are some of the things that we can do to make rail more attractive? Well, um, one of the uh, things in the agenda for the year of rail is a digital rail agenda. So for us, it's very important to understand that we can make it better when we go more digital and, and we can understand that rail can connect people, can be green, sustainable and more affordable and safe. And we can support this with this uh, digital rail agenda. And, and that's our goal over here, to enable uh, rail to run better and more efficient. Okay, so you and I, Alicia, we're both based in Spain. And Spain has a pretty good rail network, I got to think. The high-speed rail network here is fantastic. And I can go to the, the, the website of Renfe, for example, and log in. I uh, have my own account there and I can book a train. And, you know, it, it's like booking an airline ticket. I get, I can, I get to choose my seat, uh, you know, and you can get first class and second class, like business class and in, in uh, plane travel. Is, is that what you mean when you say the digitization of rail or are you talking about going deeper than that? It's that and, and more. I mean, I don't know if you know, but there's still countries in Europe where you cannot buy a ticket online. You need to go to the station and talk to somebody and or, or use one of those kiosks that are sitting there. So even in, in, in our country, as you mentioned, um, there is a web channel that works very well. But the percentage of online sales is not more than 50% of the total. And this is uh, not aligned with the general uh, e-commerce trend that we see in other sectors. 
Um, but um, the operators are realizing the online channel is uh, much more effective. And when you reach uh, 90% of sales online, your cost of sales decreases around 30%. So that makes it very attractive for the companies to go, as you said, deeper in the model and to enhance it and to make it their first line um, selling mode. And I'll, I'm going to add to that, Tom, if you don't sure, mind. Please. It's a fascinating industry to be in. I've been in the industry for you know, over 30 years, I have to say. And, and what, what we see here across the globe, uh, regardless if you're talking passenger or the cargo side of things, is, is how do you look at what you're trying to accomplish, either as a passenger, a traveler, or even uh, as a shipper, if you will, trying to get your, your merchandise from point A to B. And, and with everything going on in the world today that we all know about, and I don't have to spend time on that, we need to be smart. Okay. And so how can we be more intelligent about the choices we make, right, to, to our environment and, and really to our, our pocketbooks, right? We're trying to save money and be more efficient and still get that same level of service that we expect. And so rail, I think, has a very important role. And that's where I really like the theme that's in Europe, but I see it across the globe of how you position rail appropriately with all the other modes of transportation, whether it's in the air, on the water, or even on the road. And so it's, it's interesting times right now, I would say, and, and we're really in the middle of all those things. It's, it's, it's a fun time. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I was in Amsterdam last week, my first trip in uh, 20 months, roughly, for, for a conference. And, you know, when you fly into Schiphol Airport, they've got a great taxi service there. But a taxi from Schiphol into the centre of Amsterdam costs nearly 100 euro and you jump on the train and it's seven euro. They've got such a great system there. And it, it always astounds me when I see people jumping into taxis there. Maybe they're not going to central Amsterdam or something, but or maybe it's just lack of awareness. Is, is that something that is, is part and parcel of this as well? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my perspective and then I'm happy for Alicia to, to, to stop, you know, come on top of that. But basically, I think a lot of times it's just awareness. It's the systems that you use. And, and the nice thing today is, is where, you know, 20 years we really didn't have it, uh, these phones, these smartphones mm -hmm. and your ability to understand what your options are and understand that it's, it's not a complex thing to switch from a taxi, which is very expensive and very custom and personalized, uh, to something that's uh, as equally efficient, uh, but a lot less money. Alicia, any thoughts on that? Yeah, everybody's expecting what I call the Netflix effect, which is let me tell you what you're gonna like. So uh, somebody needs to be able to push to you the offering on what you can get on multimodal transport, for example. And, and that's what we expect, and that's what companies should be doing, being able to uh, offer you everything that they can uh, put in your service to make it better. And this is something that we see when you start uh, profiling your passengers. So, for example, that is a very important thing that the rail is not being very focused on, understanding and knowing who is the traveler. That is something uh, we are starting to see right now with consent and identity being managed. And, and then you can start doing personalized service, proactive service. You can give the voice of the customer, which is very important for us to. And, and you can start doing that uh, multimodal service that you talked about with agility and reliability. By the way, the Netherlands is one of our customers. <laughs> <laughs> But Lisa brings up a, a great point because a lot of the systems and I worked in, I worked for railways, I worked for airlines in the past and logistics companies. And, and by the nature of, of evolution, if you will, these systems were built for an airline to run an airline. Mm -hmm. 
They were built to run the railway. They were built to, you know, taxi cabs, pick whatever you want. But they didn't consider, as Alicia said very well, the multimodal aspects. And so that's where we see the industry going. And that's where we've been focused for actually many years. In the passenger travel space with with uh, airlines, IATA is the, the standards body, and they do a lot of different things, but they define this thing called one order. And it's really you know, incentivizing and, and saying there's a new way to move the technology forward so that you can be thinking about it's not just an airline ticket or bill, you know, booking a ticket. It's, it's all these other things that you could be offering to the passengers. Same thing in transportation. I often call TMSs, which is the generic name for these transportation systems, truck management systems. <laughs> Because that's all they focused on was trucking. Well, we've taken the approach to say it's trucking plus it's rail plus it's ocean. It could be any mode. And I think that's a critical point that a lot of people don't understand behind the scenes what needs to happen with the uh, technology architectures going forward. When I was, you know, before pandemic, when I was traveling a lot, I would I would book travel sometimes through the Iberia website. And I live in Seville. So it's not a main hub airport. You have to go through typically Madrid or Barcelona to get to Seville on the way back. And very often when I go to book a ticket, book a flight, get on the return journey, they offer me the choice of either flying into Madrid and getting a connecting flight from Madrid to Seville, or if the timetable suits, instead jumping out and hopping on the high-speed train from Madrid to Seville. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about all in one booking uh, when you talk about multimodal? Exactly. Right, Alicia? Yes, actually, um, that's that's part of the game. Being able to offer you that in a mobile app in a flexible way, being agile with the changes, because then you're going to have delays, you're going to have things that happen to you during the trip. We want to be able to react in real time to those. And that's that's part of the game is having the technology to do that. And the other part is having the agility in your organization to react to those changes and be able to provide you uh, the best service anytime, anywhere. And how widespread is that? That is uh, something that is already uh, happening, but there's something that is already um, something that is growing, let's say. Because now you see companies, uh, our rail companies are very worried and they should be very worried about this uh, booking.com effect. So if you get uh, a company that gives you the, the service and you don't see the railway, you don't see the airline, you don't see, you just see a provider of services in the middle, that's, that's the one you're going to trust. And that's the one that's going to have your customer service and, and your image. So you need to be able to decide if you want to be a front runner for your travelers and, and be that, that piece that connect everything, or you want to be in the back office and, and you want to be dependent on what every, every other company does with your tickets. And manage your customer relationships. Correct. And about that, I mean, both in, in, in my case, you know, with Iberia and with Renfe, I have uh, loyalty points that I get for trips that I take on their trains and planes. Is that something that a lot of other railway companies are starting to do as well? Yeah, and they are starting to go beyond that because the old uh, loyalty points were like, uh, then you, you decide to exchange for things with other companies or whatever. Now the thing is, uh, how do I get my customer what he wants, what she wants uh, in exchange of the service uh, levels that I am not providing? So we are looking at things that are much more flexible. They're not a rigid point uh, system. And, and that's what people want. They want to feel that they're part of a community and that you get 
if you are a VIP, you will not care about a uh, coffee, but you will care about uh, other things. Or if you're an old lady, you will care about somebody accompanying you to a certain place. So being able to give personal services to each of the travelers at each moment. Very good. And do you have any good uh, customer examples we can talk to? Yeah, we have some examples that are starting to do that. Um, for example, if you go on the web, you can, you can see uh, applications designed for lost and found that are able to intelligent match what you lost and what's found. And, and that, for example, in Belgium, it's built over SAP technology. So you can go online and check that one out. As an example, we have marketing services in Switzerland. We have identity services in Denmark. We have uh, mobility and multimodal approach in Germany. So there's, there's a lot of examples already of best practices that are uh, improving the rail service. Okay. And what about the infrastructure side of the house, Kevin? How's that all being managed? Yeah, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good pivot point because you can't do all this stuff without infrastructure, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and for those who, who may not be in the industry and those who are, this is so complex. And so we have spent a lot of time in my 14 years here um, focused on the infrastructure side of things. And so let's make sure we're on the same page and let's pivot back to rail. But it could be any industry, to be honest. Um, but when we talk about rail, we're really talking about the uh, track signals and structures like bridges, et cetera. And that's that's the big component. But there's also a lot of uh, other things that go along with the infrastructure, such as buildings. And, and so we'll touch upon that. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to, to talk about this because when I came into the picture here and based on my experience working in four railways, I said we need to make sure that we have this foundation built around all assets and asset types. Obviously, you have the trains themselves, the consists or whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, wagons, cars, locomotives, you know, all the power equipment. And we need to maintain those things just like we do with aircraft, with our own cars, et cetera. And so people get that, but the infrastructure piece is very complex. So we we were fortunate uh, probably 10 years ago to invest in this space and really extend the SAP platform to handle what we call linear assets, like I mentioned, uh, tracks, for instance. And so we've been working with our partners with the railway community, the leaders across the globe, to say, how do we maximize the usage of this platform? And so fundamentally, it comes down to the break fix type stuff. Let's inspect it. Let's keep it safe. And we've been doing that for years. But we always knew there was a bigger vision because when you talk about these things, a largest part of their expenses, if you're running a railway, goes into the infrastructure side. And in Europe, it's you know you have instru- you know, infrastructure companies that that's all they do is maintain that that critical asset and it's it's a very complex process where you think in five years what am i going to have to do and how much money do i need to do those things all the way down to what i need to do tomorrow and do i have the right people the workforce and skills the right equipment because you can't just move it overnight and fly it there it's got to make its trip there and then you have to have the right material to do the job and this the coordination orchestration all those things are rather complex so the approach we've taken, and, and and I really like it because now with all the interest in infrastructure across the globe and the U.S. where I'm based, you know, these infrastructure bills coming out of the government, there's so much money going in there, but we need to do things smartly. And so what we are doing at SAP is this, what we call the digitized infrastructure. And it's, it's a concept that actually is very real, but at a very fundamental level, it, it's there are really three components. I'll just introduce them because they really intertwine quite a bit. The first thing is, is knowing everything about that asset itself. And that's what we call the digital twin. Next is when you know everything about it, that data needs to flow. 
Okay, there is a process, there's an end-to-end life cycle, and that's what we call the digital thread. And then the third thing, when you when you have those two components together, then you're really in the position to do what you really need to do is is collaborate. And those that's what we call business networks. And when you have those three pieces working together, then I think companies across the globe, we're gonna be able to take these opportunities to the next level. Nice. And can you talk a little bit as well about sustainability in, in rail? Because it's it's not something you hear talked about a lot. Absolutely. And sustainability is critical, as we all know. And so but it's also it's it's good for the environment, but it's also it's got to be good for business. And so, you know, working with my team, I said, let's make sure we, you know, rail is very practical. And so we need to make sure there's a strong business case for everything we do. So if we go back to those three themes, if I know what the history of that asset is, who installed it, who's maintained it, what construction company actually did the work, who's done the reconstruction work, uh, give me all the documentation and everything about that digital plan. I'm able to share that up and down and left and right throughout the whole life cycle from you know the purchase and acquisition and, and implementation and operation to the refurbishment piece and be able to collaborate across the, the globe <laughs> really with all the different players that, that come into the picture. Then you're in a position to do some things, really interesting things in sustainability. And sustainability is an interesting topic because it's so broad. The natural thought and where we do spend, there's a couple of places that we focus. And, and I would say we're just on the beginning of a journey when it comes to sustainability. But there's there's a number of aspects I've learned actually from, from my team, like Catherine, who has shared with me that said it's not just the operations of assets, like running a train, driving a truck. Those are definitely things that we're we need to focus on because you consume energy. But when we talk about the infrastructure, there is so much of energy that goes into the producing the steel, the tracks themselves. Okay. So how do you reuse those things in the right way? Even the ballast, which is the basically the bed or the rocks that, that hold the structure of the of the railway together. What can you use that for? How do you reuse it? Can you reuse it in a network? Can you move it to another part of your network, right? Or if it's not in, at the at, no longer at the level of quality that you need for having these, these trains run across them, maybe you redeploy it or reuse it in other areas so it could go into highways, for instance. You know, be you know, you know chopped up into smaller bits and and used in roads, for instance. So those are some of the things that we're looking at. But I'm, re- I'm really interested in in really two aspects, or actually two or three, I would say. And we touched on some of it. Um, but the energy operations, uh, the Swiss Railway did a real interesting case. It was actually once they had all these major components and foundation about the, the assets, like like I said, digital twin, they were able to build on top of SAP their own application using a lot of our technology that is in real-time mode, which is, as we know, that's what SAP does, to manage when are they using heaters on the passenger um, cars, for instance, to keep, you know, uh, the comfort level, right? And if there's no passengers, do you need to have that car at a certain temperature? Obviously not. So that's just one example of, of many use cases of what we're doing in this space. So, Kevin, another thing that occurs to me is with the shift of uh, trucks to autonomous driving trucks, which is you know de- destined to come sometime in the next. 10, 15 years probably at scale. Uh, how will that impact from a competitive standpoint uh, the rail industry and moving goods around? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's an interesting question because there's a lot of uh, buzz about autonomous driving. And it's not just trucks, it's 
you know, could you have trains that are autonomous? Well, sure. The question is, is what, where is the technology going to go that makes sense? And um, from my perspective, if we look at it from a couple of angles, one, autonomous driving. If you think about the transportation network from origin to destination, from what we call door to door, there's different types of modes uh, that could be deployed in there. You could do truck the whole way. If we just keep it all on land, let's forget ocean for now. A lot of times it's going to come from a facility that may be in a congested area. Okay. All right. And then ideally, most likely what will happen is what we call kind of the main leg. Mm-hmm. Let's call it a highway. Keep it simple. And then it's going to be delivered into maybe another congested area, some kind of uh, you know, city. Okay. I think autonomous, and, and this is where it's really happening right now, is let's call them road trains, these trucks that maybe have multiple trailers. That's going to happen on that long haul or main leg um, piece. And, and there's obvious reasons for that. You know, it's safety. It's, it's not as complex. You don't have the variables that you have say, in the city environment. I think that's going to happen first. But guess what? That's where railways play a role. The main difference, um, I think what it's going to come down to is is economics. And uh, working in, in this, this industry for many years, the railways are, you know, pick your multiple, 10 times more efficient, you know, back to our sustainability conversation, than, uh, you know, steel on steel is more efficient than what we say, row, you know, rubber on road. <laughs> And so, you know, I think there's going to be actually more partnerships that happen. Now, here's an interesting one and, and take us back to to um, to Europe. I believe it's France that is uh, a new law is coming out or is out that or maybe it's in Europe where flights, they're less than two hours. They want passengers to ride on the train and anything longer. You go on on the plane. Well, there's going to be those kind of dynamics, I think, that are going to happen on the freight side as well. As long as the service level and service level, it's that it's that balance of cost versus service and, and capabilities. So it's it's an interesting challenge for sure. It'll evolve. And I, I guarantee you that all of us, including me, will be surprised with, with really what actually ends up happening. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Kevin and Alethea, we're coming towards the end of the podcast now. Is there any question that I have not asked that you wish I had or any topic we've not talked about that you think it's important for people to be aware of? Alicia, anything from your perspective? Well, from my side is why, why would companies, rail companies care about customer experience? No, At the end, what is in there for them? And the answer would be, uh, this is a very good moment for this because after COVID, uh, when you get a downturn, if you start preparing your customer base, you are going to be the winner. So let's get the demand back on the rail, and, and this is the perfect way of doing so with the digital experience projects. Okay, and Kevin? Yeah, I, th- I think we've covered everything at a high level fairly well. Um, kind of worked in nicely. Uh, we have great partnerships that are addressing some of these needs. We have the Honeywell partnership on the infrastructure side that uh, helps you know, we talked about going from building or constructing an asset or an infrastructure piece, and in this case, a building into the operations piece. So we've teamed up with partners. So it's not just SAP. I think that's that's important important to point out because you need to be able to measure what you're trying to improve, and that's where Honeywell and their KPIs about how the energy is being consumed. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about is sustainable energy around contract management. So um, what I can say there is, is another partner could have 
called evolution energy. Again, back to, to my perspective where there's got to be, you know, business case around what we do here is we need to measure how we're using this, this uh, facility, you know, from an energy perspective and the complexities that go into these energy contracts that we may, may have negotiated with the providers, so the service providers, utilities. And now you have all these different types of energy, green power and, and those sort of things. So if you can measure that, then you can start to make smart decisions on are we being sustainable? Are we actually saving money? Are we being billed correctly? And that, that all ties into this whole platform that I talk about. Um, so I think those things are important. Okay, superb. Uh, Alicia, Kevin, if people want to know more about yourselves or about the rail industry or about any of the things we talked about today, where would you have me direct them? So from my perspective, the, one of the best places to go is uh, obviously we have our LinkedIn's. You can connect with us that way. But we have a community page. You know, all SAP um, industries have a SAP communities page. So there's a travel and transportation communities page. So that's a great place to see what we're thinking about, what we're working on, what your peers in the industry, if you're in the industry, what they're thinking about and, and collaboration. Uh, so to me, that's the best place. Okay, Alicia. Yeah, couldn't say it better. SAP.com and our community page are the places to go. And we are very active on LinkedIn. So um, all our events are posted there and there's always something going on in the railways. And in this area, I'll just add, um, is, is we've, we've put a lot of emphasis on the infrastructure side. And annually, we bring the railway community together the business side and the IT side to talk about infrastructure topics. It's also rolling stock as well. And so there's annual conference that we do as well. And those things will be posted. And that's something that maybe some of uh, the audience isn't aware of. But it's it's one of the best events I think SAP does, to be honest, for the industry. And um, a lot of benefit there. We call it Rail Asset Management Conference. So just a, a little plug for that. Thank you. <laughs> No problem. Okay, fantastic. Kevin, Alicia, that's been great. Thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. If you want to explore our industry portfolio to find the solutions you need to run your business better, faster, and simpler, please visit us at sap.com slash industries.